0: So, like I mentioned, today we're picking up on the forty days of prayer, and this series is, is focused on the Lord's prayer. And like I mentioned today, we're, fo- we're we're looking at the second line of the Lord's prayer, where it says, "This Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." This line focuses on ki- uh, uh, focuses on prayer as kingdom partnership. And so, last week we learned about how prayer. Is uh, the first time of the Lord's Prayer of prayers at prayer as worship. we're going to about kingdom of uh, prayer as kingdom partnership. But before we begin, here's a quick video from the Alliance,
1: briefly sharing what it means. And so, y'all, yeah, if you don't mind, this, not mind, just this easy. week we want to focus on the words in Jesus' prayer: "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." The late Dallas Willard described God's kingdom as where what God once done is done. God indeed is on a mission to restore what was very good in his pre-fall creation, to bring about transformation of what's broken in us and in this world. When his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven, what God once done gets done. Lives, relationships, and communities are restored. People find forgiveness wholeness, justice, community can be transformed and even the creation around us will be impacted. And no one will be left out as dividing walls are broken down and the kingdom comes near to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Praying your kingdom come joins our will with God's. In it, we submit ourselves to God lift up the left out ask God to work through his church and to break out into the world of need. This kingdom come prayer calls out for the action of the only one who can really restore good to our brokenness and it offers our own hands and feet our lips and hearts as instruments for his purposes praying this way even this week we become kingdom partners with one another as fellow servants in a royal priesthood and with the king himself who will, we can be sure, get done what he wants done.
0: All right. So one of the first questions that I thought of this week in preparing this sermon is this idea of a kingdom. What is a kingdom? To be honest with you, the idea of a kingdom can feel odd, feels a little old, and maybe only in the books that we read, whether it's kingdoms in history books or fiction books. You see, literal kingdoms with monarchies, where kings and queens rule, they exist, but only in a few countries. And so I think many of us don't have any idea of what that dynamic is like. Now, um, as I was thinking about relatable ideas, I think the, the, the easiest thing to latch on to sports, or at least the easiest thing for me was sports. And Regardless if you follow sports or not, take a moment and think of maybe five or six professional athletes or five or six professional teams that you often hear about, whether it shows up in your Facebook feed or on the TV or on the radio. Here were a couple that came to mind. Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls. Tom Brady were the New England Patriots. We had Stephen Curry were the Golden State Warriors. Or Tim Duncan and the San Antonio Spurs. Now, did any of these pop up on your list, whether athletes or players? And if they did, they are some of the most recent sports dynasties, meaning they've won multiple championships over an extended period period. And so they are a kingdom in the sense that they rule and reign over their sports and we can identify that rule and reign based on the trophies, based on the championship rings, based on their notoriety and the accolades that they accumulate. What about God's kingdom? How do we identify God's rule and God's reign? You see, when we pray the Lord's Prayer and when we say your kingdom come." Your will be done on earth as it is heaven. We are identifying that God is in action. That God is doing something. We are identifying that God is ruling and reigning and that he is establishing heaven here on earth. You see in Luke chapter 17 verse 21, Jesus tells the Pharisees that the kingdom of God is already here. But how can we tell? How can we tell that God's kingdom is here? You see, many of Jesus' followers weren't sure, but it's important for them to know and it's important for us to know. Oftentimes, there's so much evil that happens that we must see, we must identify, we must know what Jesus is doing, what God is doing, how God is ruling and reigning, and yet when we experience all of this evil, Now, earlier, Grace read to us parts of Matthew chapter 13, and this chapter is full of God's kingdom. It's all about God's kingdom. In fact, Jesus uses seven parables to teach about God's kingdom and how God is in action. Parables are small stories used to compare one thing to another to communicate truth. Parables are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And so we saw how Jesus', uh, Jesus parables they drew from everyday life situations like farming and agriculture and, and sowing seeds. And then he put those experiences, those everyday experiences into stories that communicated truth about heaven. And so we're briefly going to dive into each one of them and find the truth about God's kingdom. There's seven of them, and so for this morning, I decided that I'm going to talk about the first one by itself, and then the remaining six, I'll put them into pairs. And so let's kick off with the first one the parable of the seeds in the soil. Let me read it again for us. This is what it says A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. This parable shows us humanity's reaction to God's action. It shows us humanity's reaction to God's action. So in the parable, Jesus is the farmer who sows the seed, and the seed represents God's message. As Jesus sows God's message, it falls on four types of growing medium. First, the path, rocky places, thorns, and then finally, good soil. Now, these mediums, they all represent and describe the human heart's condition. You see, seeds that fall on the path, um, seeds that fall on the path are people with hard hearts. They are unwilling to respond to God's message. And so the image of the seed falling on the path and then being eaten up, 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 being taken away by a bird represents how they are unwilling to respond to God's message so they fall to the devil. Seeds on rocky places describe people with shallow hearts. They excitedly accept Jesus' message, allowing some truth to sprout in their life, but there's no room to develop. And so when things get difficult, they turn away from God. Seeds that fall on thorny places are people who receive God's message, but they don't prioritize it and allow other things to compete with it. There's some space to consider God's message, and there's room for some of, for God's message to sprout. But when other things um, come come be before uh, to God's message, other things choke it out. Finally, the seeds that fall on the good soil represent people with receptive hearts who hear, understand, and allow the message to take root. And as a result, a person produces fruit and reflects the character of the tree that it came from. It reflects the character of God. This parable shows us that God is in action. God sends Jesus to share the good news and then as Jesus shares the good news, each person receives it differently based on the condition of their heart. Now I think in all, it's important for us to consider what condition our heart is in because it impacts how we see the rest of God's kingdom. And so God is doing a work in us hearing God's message, whether it's here, whether it's on your podcast, whether it's through other people, through, whether it's through reading the Bible, But I think it's important that we also consider what condition our heart's in because it impacts how we see how God is in action. If we don't have a heart that is ready to take God's message and allow it to grow, it prevents us from seeing how God is in action. So take a moment this morning and ask God to give you a heart that will readily take in his good news so you you can experience his transformation in your life today and the next day to come to and So I'll give you just a couple seconds to ask God to give you a heart that will readily take in his good news. Alright. Let's move on to the next parable. So the first set of parables that we're going to look at are the mustard this is the mustard seed of the yeast. This is what it says. I'm going to read it for us again. In verse 31, this is what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into it, and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Mustard seed and yeast seem insignificant at first, but they become very vital in their respective environments. When Jesus came to Earth, some of his followers thought that he was going to immediately bring a new, a new kingdom. They expected liberation; wanted things to change really quick. Jesus' followers became confused and even uncertain when they didn't see any of this happen. In Matthew chapter eleven, just a couple of chapters before these parables. John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, who, who came and prepared the way for Jesus, he, he went to announce to the people, hey, Jesus is coming, you need to repent. John the Baptist sends one of his disciples to ask Jesus if they should expect another Savior because even John the Baptist became uncertain of Jesus because Jesus wasn't doing what he expected. Now, it's easy to see why John had a a difficult time seeing God's kingdom. John was in jail. John was in jail speaking against the king because the king did something immoral. And he was in a tough situation. And so oftentimes, when we're in tough situations, we often ask, hey, God, where are you? God, where's my blessing in this situation? God, I'm in a tough time. You promised you're going to be here. Where are you? But Jesus reminds John the Baptist and us that he brings change in small ways that might feel insignificant to us. But truth is, it's just things that we don't expect. And so it's very appropriate that Jesus compares God's kingdom to a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds, at least during Jesus' time, Mushroom seeds are small, but over time they grow into the biggest tree, becoming shelters for birds. Jesus also compares God's kingdom to yeast. Now, I love any baked goods. Pastries are my favorite, croissants and donuts specifically. Now, while I will mention to you the, the taste, the texture, and the glaze, those are the first things that I look for. Without the yeast... I wouldn't have that airy texture in those things. Rather, it would be a really dense and crumbly piece of bread. You see, yeast illustrates that God is in action in small ways. That will eventually make a big impact. And so these two parables, parables remind us that God is making an impact in our lives and in this world, whether we see it or not. God's kingdom is here on earth in small ways that may seem and may feel insignificant to us, but we will become more and more apparent of how God's action will bring transformation and restoration to our world. The next set of parables is the hidden treasure and the pearl. Now, treasure and pearls are valuable things, so they help highlight how valuable God's kingdom is. The parable of the hidden treasure tells us about a person who finds a treasure in a field. They hide that treasure, they go and sell everything that they own so that they can buy the field because they know how valuable that treasure is. Similarly, the the parable of of the pearl is about a merchant who deliberately searches for fine pearls. He finds one that is extremely valuable and decides to sell everything so he can buy it. The only difference between the parables is this that the treasure was found in an unexpected way. The person unexpectedly discovered it, whereas the merchant deliberately searched for valuable pearls. So, this morning, wherever we're at in our lives, whether you unexpectedly stumble on what God is doing, or if you have been deliberately seeking out what God is doing, when you stumble upon it, do you know the immense and eternal value of the worth of what God is doing? When you see God in action, when you see a glimpse of God's kingdom here on earth, does that become immensely valuable to you? Worth giving up everything. When we experience God's kingdom based on these parables, it shows us that we should be willing to sacrifice everything for it. Um, in many ways, and this might just be very premature, um, I think river life has become my hidden treasure and pearl. I don't believe that river life is God's kingdom, but I think it's an expression of God's kingdom. That when we gather here together, this is an expression of God's kingdom, where we're faithful people before me and before some of us have seen God, how God changes lives, and then they are like, hey, we want to create an environment, we want to create a space to express this so that others can experience it. And so many ways, group life has become my pearl, become my hidden treasure, where I'm like, hey, I'm willing to, to, to sacrifice anything for it." Maybe you see God in action through other churches, through other organizations, through other ministries, through other ministry Leaders, whatever it is, whoever it is, I hope that when you find that personal place, when you see God in action, when you see glimpses of the kingdom of God's kingdom here on earth, that you are willing to give everything you have because it's that valuable. Now, finally, the third pair of parables are the wheat, weed, the weeds, and the net wheat and the weeds is the second parable and the seventh parable is here, but it pairs pretty well with the net. And so in verses uh, 24 through 29, Jesus teaches another parable about a man sowing seeds in his field. It's similar to the parable of the good soil. A little different in the sense. The man sowing, there's a man who sows wheat seeds, but at night his enemy comes and sows weeds in the same field. When the seeds grow, the owner of the field tells his servant to wait until the harvest so that they can separate the wheat from the weed. The owner represents Jesus. The wheat seeds represent believers. The enemy is the devil, and the weeds are the people who reject Jesus. This parable here teaches us that God is at work even though his enemy is working against them. God is in action even when evil things happen. Similarly, in verses 47 and 48, Jesus teaches the parable of the net and how a net will be let down to catch all kinds of fish. In the end, the good fish will be separated by the bad fish. The bad fish were fish, fish considered uncleaned based on Jewish food laws. And if you're interested, you can read more about that in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11 verses 9 and 12. Both parables give us uh, this concept, this idea, explaining that before God's kingdom is fully established, believers and unbelievers will coexist together. Good and evil will exist together. And while it seems like the devil and unbelievers are countering God's action and God's kingdom by doing things that negatively impact God's work, God's kingdom is going to be established regardless. It is God's responsibility to sort the faithful from the faithful from the faithless, and that will happen when Jesus returns. And so as God's kingdom is established, as God is in action, when we see evil things happen, they are not countering, they are happening, but know that remain faithful in what God's doing because God will put an end to it when Jesus returns. Now that's a lot of information thrown at you. So to summarize these parables, we can understand these four things about them. We can understand these four things about God's kingdom. First, God is God is in action primarily through the message that Jesus teaches. We call it the gospel. God's in action primarily through the message that Jesus teaches. Second, God's actions appear small, but they will produce big results. God's actions appear small, but they will produce big results. Third thing we can do learn about God's kingdom in in this chapter here. Don't miss out on when God is in action. It's worth giving up everything for. Don't miss out when God is in action. It's worth giving up everything for, for. And lastly, don't dismiss God's action among all the evil that we face. God's actions will last. Don't dismiss God's action among all the evil things that we experience and face. God's actions will last. So, what does all of this mean for us? You see, after teaching his disciples these seven parables, he asks his disciples if they understand, and they say yes. Jesus ends this teaching in a little bit of a weird way, at least in my opinion. This is what Jesus says to disciples in verse 52. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out his storeroom. Let me read that again. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This ends up being one more par- uh, this ends up being one more parable that Jesus uses to teach his disciples about God's kingdom. He tells the disciples that they are like the owner of a house. Who takes care of their entire household? Now, I had a hard time interpreting this because there's a sense of wait, you're a householder, you know, many of us are householders. Storeroom, is that like, you know, our, like our safe or our pantry? What is it? Treasures, new and old? Wait, a lot of us keep our treasures in, at the bank or, you know, somewhere else. What does that mean for us? And so it felt a little outdated for me. One interpretation I found helpful came from a Berean commentary. So this is what this is how it explains this last verse, this last parable about how the disciples are owners of a house who bring out from their storeroom new treasures as well as old. So the owner of a house was responsible for providing whatever was needed so the entire household would prosper and flourish. And so to do so, he needed to bring new treasures and old treasures from the storeroom. And while we often think about treasures as valuable metals like gold, platinum, and gems like diamonds and rubies, treasures could also mean food. The owner of the house was in charge of bringing out food so that his family would have something to eat, and he would strategically do so by serving his oldest food items with his fresh, freshest produce so neither is wasted. You see, if he only served the old the new would be wasted because the family would not get to taste the fresh produce or the fresh meat. And if he only served the new, the old would eventually rot and spoil and he would have to throw them out. He needed to balance both so neither was wasted. And he did so that his his household would flourish. So Jesus wanted to take all the things they knew about God in the Old Testament along with all the new things that Jesus was teaching them, and teach others about God's promises. You see, this last parable about, parable about the disciples being house owners and how they need to design, bring new and old treasures to store storerooms. the disciples need to know all of God's truth so that they can go out and teach others everything they knew about God. The disciples' responsibility was to make the truth of God's kingdom clear to everyone so that they too could flourish. So, in light of, for us, in light of what Jesus teaches about his kingdom, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, it can remind us this. That the Lord's prayer reveals how God is in action so we can the Lord's prayer reveals how God is in action so that we can be in action and so consider how you can be in action for God today or even this week what is God doing in the spaces you occupy that you can join him in on God is doing something in your space that involves sharing his truth and that results in lives being transformed you're not responsible for transforming people's lives. God's responsible for that. But you are responsible for sharing His truth. Can we be faithful in sowing seeds of God's good news to those all around us? Yet, sowing, not making their hearts the good soil, but just simply sowing. Each And every individual is responsible for their heart's condition. But we all can suffer. God's doing something small in your space that's going to make a huge impact. Can you be faithful and do something small like be kind, be patient, be honest, be present, be gentle, and commit to these small things, trusting that they will make a big impact. God's kingdom is extremely valuable. Consider what's valuable in your life. If it's God's kingdom, can we continue to purge what we have so that we can continue to invest more into God's kingdom? And if it isn't God's kingdom, search diligently for the reason why certain things are valuable in life. It's not that we can't enjoy them, but sometimes things become idols and we prioritize them over everything else. And so try to understand the meaning. Why is this so important to me? Can those things fulfill your needs like how God can? Be faithful in everything that you do, even though you might not see the results or get the results that you want. We have a real enemy, the devil, who's trying to counter everything godly, but continue to be faithful and persevere even when it feels Pointless. Trust that the actions that you take for God's kingdom will make a difference. Before we conclude, I read this last night in a book called Soul Care by Rob Reaver. This is what he says about God's kingdom. I think it wraps it really well to what Tim Crouch, um, the guy with the video, talked uh, talked about when he explained God's kingdom. This is what Rob Reaver says. The kingdom of God is the reversal of everything that went wrong when sin entered the world. It is the restoration of everything back to the way God intended to be. God is in action. And he is reversing everything that went wrong when sin entered the world. He is restoring everything back to the way that God intended. I think that's worth being aware of. I think that's valuable. I think that's something beautiful. That any mistake that we've made, any problems that we face, any conflict that we experience, it's the sense that he is reversing everything that went wrong and making all those things new. God is in action, and he wants us to be in action. And so I invite you in your spaces, see what God's doing. It might not be noticeable at first. It might be like yeast, or it might be like mustard seed. But he's doing something. And that's our job, to see what he's doing. Join me in prayer. God, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you're doing a mighty work here at 9,101st Avenue North, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, 55445. You're doing a mighty work in our homes. You're doing a mighty work at our jobs, even if we're remotely. God, you're doing a mighty work with our family, with our kids, with our spouse, with our an extended family with our friends you're doing a mighty work in the grocery store at our favorite stores and our favorite hobbies and community to be with Lord your yeast is permeating everywhere may we be aware of how you are yeast in our May we be ever so attentive and aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our environments. May we not miss out on what you're doing. And so would you be with us the rest of the day, the rest of the week, for the rest of our lives, Lord, and with eyes that maybe have just simply passed through the every mundane thing of our life. Help us see what it is that you're doing. May you help us see how you are in action. May you help us see how you've established your kingdom here on earth. And though it's not fully here yet, Lord, like yeast that takes time to rise, like a mustard seed that takes time to grow, help us be attentive to see how it is growing allow us to faithfully sow seeds of your message to all of our respective environments. Knowing that you are in action, bring reversal, bring restoration, bring redemption to all kinds of evil that we experience, whether intentional or unintentional. Whether we are the cause of the evil or we are the recipients of We ask that may again, we just be so attentive when we see you at work, Lord. We see what it is that you're doing. May you we join in on what it is that you're doing. So we thank you that we get a part of this. We thank you that as you are in action, Lord, you also invite us into action as well, too. So may we be representatives of your kingdom and just point people at hate. What you're experiencing right now might not be so great, but we believe in a God who will restore all of it. So we thank you. We pray with us in your name, Lord.